The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, and welcome to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for this podcast. My husband, Steve Siegel, is the founder of the podcast and producer. Just a reminder to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star rating, not because we think we're cool, but when you do, then Google helps people find us. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and give our videos a thumbs up for the same reason and ring the bell so you get notified when we put up a new video. But I can give you a hint. We put up a new video and a new audio podcast every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Today's episode is episode number 318. We are well into our seventh year of podcasting. So today we have an interview with a gentleman named Ken McKimsey Middleton. Ken McKimsey Middleton is obsessed with helping people build the best versions of themselves. Ever since he experienced a tremendous turnaround from an entrepreneurial endeavor when he gave up alcohol in November 2018, his mission has been to help others. And to help them realize that alcohol is probably the one thing that is holding them back from realizing all of their dreams. He started a publication in May 2020, and he's the author of the book, Bamboozled, How Alcohol Lies to Us All, which exposes the subtle tactics and traps of alcohol and the alcohol industry, while also giving the reader the tools to overcome them. Without further ado, let's talk to Ken McKimsey Middleton. Ken McKimsey Middleton, thank you so much for being willing to be on the podcast today and sharing your story. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Joni. Super excited to talk to you today. That's awesome. Thank you. So tell us a bit a bit about um, like your background. Where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? And you know what led you down a path that you thought you were going to become addicted if you weren't actually addicted? Absolutely. Yeah, it was um, a pretty normal childhood, Joni, I will be honest, and maybe not as normal as I've done my research because drinking was not anything that really was a part of my childhood growing up. I talk about it in the book. A lot of people see it a lot around them. But for me, I didn't see it that much. The only thing I ever heard about alcohol, and this is something that I talk about in the book, and one of the purposes of why I wrote the book is that the warning of you don't want to be an alcoholic. You don't want to be like uncle so-and-so or great grandfather so-and-so who end up drinking too much and end up losing his family or his house, X, Y, Z. That was the only thing I ever heard, but I didn't grow up in a house in which I had someone that drank a lot or I was afraid of it or did anything bad for me. My introduction to alcohol probably started as most people did when I was in college. I didn't drink at all in high school, never had an experience with it. But when I got to college and I talk about it in the book, 18 years old, and I was never shy growing up. I would never say I was shy, but I was never the person that was the life of the party. So mm-hmm. I was never shy around people, but there were some times in which I was a little anxious in situations. At that time and being 18, I thought, well, what's wrong with me? Not recognizing that most people are anxious in situations that they've never been in before, especially when you're a teenager, it's normal, get over it. Yep. But first year in college, meeting all these new people, going to all these parties, feeling a little out of place, not knowing how to talk to the opposite sex. I didn't really know what to do till I had one of my friends that said, hey, how about you drink this beer? It'll loosen you up a little bit and let's see where it goes from there. 
And Joni, you know the story or probably can guess the story. Yep. Man. Got really loose there, didn't you, Ken? Oh, my goodness. Like, (laughs) so, Joni, I tell people the reason that I felt like I had to quit drinking wasn't because my life was so bad with alcohol. It's because my life was so great with alcohol. Like, alcohol did exactly what it said it was going to do. And that was part of why when I wrote my Medium publication, it is called Alcohol is Not Your Friend, because for me... Alcohol was my best friend for a number mm. of years. So I started I started drinking in in college, was able to talk to the females, was the cool guy in the party. I joined a fraternity. I was the president of fraternity. Everything you can think of, I was doing that in regards to the quintessential college life. Matriculate the out of college and go into the real world. And then, you know, surprisingly, I get into sales. And I tell people all the time, if you think college is the your bachelorate, if you will, when it comes to drinking, sales is your master's degree or your PhD because- once you get into sales, your job is to schmooze your clients. You got an expense account to take them out and buy all the alcohol you want. And then for me, and this is part of the reason that I never recognized the problem, you consider your drinking relative to those who are around you. So as I looked at my peers and I looked at my bosses and my boss's bosses and people who are doing extremely well for themselves financially, they're all drinking as much as it's not more than me. So I never thought I had a problem. And so I drink and drink and drink. And then to to kind of get to the point of where things changed is that and part of the sign that I had behind me is about entrepreneurship is that I left the company because I wanted to start my own business. And so I said, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to work for myself and do my own thing. And I left my company in 2017 and I worked, worked, worked for a solid year. And Joni, I mean, I'm sure you understand what it's like when you're working for yourself. You're the HR person. You're the accountant. You're the marketing person. I mean, you are everything. And I was working 80 and 90 hours a week. Oh, yeah. You never stop working because you can work whenever you want and you work all the time. (laughs) All the time. Like It's so funny when people are like, oh, man, entrepreneurship is so glamorous. Okay, try it out and you'll see how glamorous it is. Yeah. But anyway, I'm working 90 hours a week and I'm not making any money. Like I'm making pennies compared to what I was making before. And I was with my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, and we're just talking about how hard I'm working and how much money I'm not making. And I was like, babe, you know what? I might have to go back to corporate America. I've done this for a year and some change at this point, but I don't want to go back to work for someone else until I can unequivocally say I gave it 100%. And I always knew, even though I would look at my peers and I never thought I had a problem But I always knew that I think most of us know after you drink and you're recovering from the hangover, you're not at 100%. There's nothing you can do, right? You're at 70%, 60%, what have you. And I used to always have this stupid saying now that I think about it, that my 80% was as good as any 100%. So, you know, I'll I'll be fine. So it was okay for you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm going to be okay, right? I'm still successful. Yeah. Um, But I said, all right, I, I don't want to go back without doing it. So I said, you know what? I told my wife, I said... Hey, I'm just going to give it 30 days. Maybe I said about three months. I really, at the time I said, I'm going to give it three months. I said, I'm gonna give it three months. I'm not going to drink. And I just want to see, am I able to give every day a hundred percent? And Joni, I made more money in those next three months that I had made the previous nine months combined. Wow. And it wasn't even close. 
And unfortunately, when I had stopped drinking and I also all of a sudden started realizing how positive things were, I started to kind of research it more. And I read Annie Grace's This Naked Mind. And after I read that book, Joni, and I read the scientific base way of how she explained it and what drinking does to you physiologically to create the need for itself and how as you age, it will get worse with time. I was like, man, I don't think I'm ever going to go back. Mm. And and as time progressed, everything started compounding. And I and I knew I would. And you know, six months in, I looked at my wife. She did it with me. Unfortunately, I was lucky where my wife, she did it at the same time. We said, we're, we're not going to go back because our life is so much better now than it was before. And, and yep. that's where Bamboozle came from. It was like the, the Anif and Bamboozle. And I say this all the time. I'm not telling people not to drink. I, I, that's not my thing. If you want to drink, that's for you, right? You got to right. make the decision. But where I come from, Joni, is I want people to be educated on the trade-offs they're making yep. every day when they drink. Yep. And, and just to what... clarify for the listeners, Ken, yeah. Bamboozle is the name of Ken's book. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Bamboozle, How Alcohol Makes Fools of Us All is right. the tag name. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's just to educate people on the trade-offs they're making every day. So they are recognized like when you drink, this is what you're giving up. And if you want to build the best version of yourself, it's going to be really hard with it, but it's really, really easy without it. Right. I think that's good. And I think that's, you know, it, we talk all the time on this podcast about how, if not one of, if not the most important aspect of addressing the whole problem of addiction is education. Mm -hmm. And I always think that if you give people the actual factual information of what a drug does or what alcohol does, that the majority of the people will make the right decision. Sometimes. The hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. Cammy Wolf-Rice is a mother, an advocate, an author, and an agent for change. She has had the unfortunate personal experience of dealing with the dangers of opioid misuse through the death of her son, Christopher, who battled this from childhood to his passing. But Cammy has transferred her pain into a strong purpose. She has made it her mission to raise awareness about the opioid epidemic and alternative pain management strategies. Cammy does this by raising awareness of opioids affecting our nation through her nonprofit, her speaking events and podcast appearances, journal publications, and now her book, The Flight. As you can imagine, losing a child is an experience beyond this world. In The Flight, Cammy goes beyond this world to explain the loss of Christopher. We know Cammy. We know her story. We recommend the book. Available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Yes, absolutely. And just the fact you said what you just did, because I wrote about this, 
what a drug does and what alcohol does. And most people don't realize alcohol is a drug. Mm -hmm. It is the, but they don't consider it. It's just legal. Exactly. And that is the thing I tell you in the sense of the fact that the alcohol industry has, has, has it, um, um, has allowed the term alcohol and drugs to be something that is recognized by most people. It has shown how strong and effective they have been because Alcohol is a drug just like cocaine is, just like opioids are, opioids are, just like it changes your mind, it changes you physiologically, it changes you physically, and it creates the addiction for itself. But people don't see it as such. And to your point, that's exactly what I want. I just want to make sure people are aware because a lot of people don't know. And the, and the same thing, you know, Ken, we have had several different podcasts on the subject of marijuana because mm. now in so many states marijuana is legalized and people think because it's legalized it's okay and they don't understand that the marijuana of today is not the marijuana of the 70s that had maybe nine percent thc now this is like a genetically modified marijuana that has so much thc in it it is addictive it causes hallucinations it can cause you know it it's horrible the way it affects a lot of people but it's legal and so people think okay so it's okay you think it's harmless when it's not harmless at all and and as I go back to when I was a kid, the thing that really got me and the thing that changed for me is that there was there's always seems to be the stratification when it comes to drinking. Yep. Either you drink and you're fine or you're an alcoholic. And that they don't realize there's such a huge spectrum of people in the middle. Yep. And a lot of us are on that spectrum. And and as I shared earlier, earlier in regards to I I wasn't an addict. I, I wasn't hit rock bottom or anything like that. But was I on my way to becoming one? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I, I had the patterns, Joni, that people have where you drink every other day, you get used to drinking, it becomes part of just what you do, and you just lose yourself in the sense that everything I did revolved around alcohol. Yep. And you know, it's it's interesting. I'm going to tell you a story that is going to totally go along with what you're saying. My my father was an officer in the Air Force and my mother loved being an officer's wife. And there was a lot of socializing and really drinking cocktails on a regular basis was just something that you did. I never saw my parents imbibe too much. They were never drunk. But I observed once because finally in their 80s, they decided it was empty calories and they quit drinking The majority of the time. They quit doing like their daily Manhattan, which is what they would do. (laughs) But I observed, this was very interesting. I observed one day um, they'd had their regular cocktail out of two Manhattans. That's it. They would stop. But when they would do that, my mother would proceed to tell me about the most disturbing newspaper article she had read. Okay. You know, like, oh, this this person was raped or this, you know, person was kidnapped or this. And I just finally observed it. It was interesting to me that it would only happen after they would have their cocktail. The majority of the time, she was super happy to be around me and her grandchildren and all of that. But after that cocktail, whatever the most disturbing story that she had read that obviously disturbed her would come up and she would relay it to me. And I would be kind of like, I don't need to know that. Yeah. You know, 
it becomes a pattern. We just yeah. miss out and we don't recognize. Now, and it's amazing. Your parents were super lucky if they could drink until their 80s and still it wasn't affecting them negatively tremendously because that's one thing I argue in the books that I didn't recognize. As we age, the effects of alcohol get worse. Yep. It's, it's almost like a vehicle. When you have a car that is brand new, you got it out of the shop, just off the lot. If you want to go out and do some donuts in the field, you're probably going to be okay. But you go take a 20-year-old car and try to do some donuts in the field, you're going to break something. So yep. I try to tell people, listen, if you want to drink, you, you can drink. But I will say that I do believe that everybody should stop drinking at the age of 40. I just think the the trade-offs, the negative effects that you're getting from alcohol, because your body changes so much when you turn 40. There's so many mm. different things that your body goes through. But one of the big things scientifically is that your body retains less water. It creates less water. So you, you get hydrated real fast, much faster. Therefore, you get drunk much faster. So you will see a lot of people that they used, they try to drink as much as they did when they were younger. And all of a sudden that it hits so much quicker, which could lead to DUIs, people hurting themselves, things of that nature. Yeah. The second part that I tell people, we already know about the cancer risk in regards that alcohol is a carcinogen. When you're older, let's uh, let's go back to the car analogy. You got a carburetor. You got a brand new carburetor. You know, it's working pretty quickly. It's filtering out the, the dust and stuff like that really, really easy. You got a 20-year-old carburetor. It's not filtering things out as quickly. It takes right. a little bit longer. So when you get past 40 and you're putting all those toxins in your, your body that's turned into from aldehyde, acetaldehyde, your body doesn't rinse it out as fast. You're yep. leaving it in there and you're increasing your chance of cancer tremendously. It was already bad before, yep. but once you pass the age of 40, it goes up exponentially when you drink. And I tell people, it's not worth it. Yep. I, you know, I like your whole approach. I mean, you know, sometimes people can get very, what's the word, judgmental yeah, when yeah. they say, Preaching, you know, as they say. exactly. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, I've experienced that and, you know, you're giving more just from a scientific viewpoint, like it's a personal choice. And we all agree with that because it is, it is legal to drink, but it's a personal choice, how much you want to drink, how long you want to drink until, you know, what age. Um, tell us a little more about your book, Ken. Um, yep. Why did you write the book? What would you do that yeah. for? So, so as I so let's I, I started writing Anif. Let's talk about that, and then it, it'll explain why I started writing books. So, I started Anif May of 2020, and that was at the time I'd been and what I, I used to term alcohol conscious, and I'll share what that means in a little. And bit. say what Anif is again. Oh, yeah, thank you. Alcohol is not your friend. That's right. So, That's yeah, right. So, so it goes back to alcohol was my best friend. No, so it's always you always heard it. Alcohol works right up until when it doesn't work anymore, right. and that's how it where I was. Right. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast, or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com. Or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. So I wrote alcohol is not your friend because you feel like it's helping you and it's giving you everything you want, but you don't realize everything is taken from you in the back, you know? And was and that a book? 
And if was that a well, book? It's a medium publication. So medium is a platform where any novice writer can go and create a publication. Okay. So I was like, I, I have all these ideas or I'm, mm. I'm learning so much. Cause what happened to me is that I went on to your point, the education journey of, of learning what alcohol really does to you. I read Craig Beck. I read um, Dr. William Porter. I mean, I read all of them. Right. Um, and so as I was learning more, I was getting so excited. And for me, it was like, man, I wish I would have known this 10 years ago, or I wish I would have known this in my 20s. Like, I, th there was that sense of, I wish someone would have told me this. So then I'm like, you know what? Why don't I tell other people this? Yeah. So I started writing and said, I wanted people to, to know what I wish I would have known. But the more I wrote and the more I researched, the more I learned and the more I, I thought it would be, there, there needs to be something that's a, a one-stop shop book that hopefully will explain this in a way, because- no problem with Quitlet. I love all the books that are out there that, I mean, I, I grew up or, or, or kind of grew up on, if you will, in regards to, to, um, to alcohol consciousness. But I always say sometimes the thing about those books that makes it challenging for some people, people don't see themselves in it. When they, mm. you talk about the rock bottom that a mm. lot of people had to hit, people say, well, I'm fine because I never hit a rock bottom. I've never left my kids anywhere or I never woke up in a hotel room with somebody I didn't know who they were. So I, I don't have a problem. So I always say, I want to tell a story that shows the representation of alcohol when your life is quote unquote fine, but there's an opportunity for you to still be better. And so that was what Ben Boozer was about. It was about, mm. I wanted to write a story that educated people on the trade-offs they were making from alcohol and the, the scientific way it affects your body. But I want it presented in a manner that doesn't talk about anyone hitting rock bottom, but it talks about how you can have a choice in life of what direction you want to go. You can grow and be your mediocre best self if that's what you want to be, or your mediocre self, or you can build the best version of yourself. And that's how Bamboozle is is um, created and how it flows. Fascinating. Do you get it into it all? And it doesn't sound like it would be part of that, but um, you know, one of the things we've found over and over again when we've talked to addicts in recovery or people in recovery who have, you know, ended up with a heroin habit or a cocaine habit or some uh, a heavy duty drug like that, is they they started on alcohol. That is, <laughs> I'm so glad you said it. That is the other thing because they because they always say, and I, I wrote a I wrote a um a, an article about this. They always say marijuana is the gateway drug, but it's not. Like well, it, it is one, but you're right. Is alcohol one, is but, as well. But if you like, I would I would be very very surprised that you could have people that do heroin that there's people that do heroin and do coke that may have never done marijuana. Maybe. I feel like there's more that's never done marijuana than people who've done heroin and do coke who've never done Like, there's no chance that they've never drank. I just don't feel like that's a possibility. Or in the sense that it, that is the beginning of you feeling comfortable with your body being changed. And that, to me, is way more sense of a gateway drug than marijuana. But yeah, marijuana is definitely one of them. Yep. Yep. Um, but I talk about how it's so much worse than, in my opinion, than marijuana because it's so um, insidious, uh, more pervasive. insidious than marijuana. Exactly. Easily yep. Yep. more pervasive in yep. so many things. Yeah. And where can people get your book, Ken? Um, I mean, the, well, the main thing, is, the main place is thebamboozledbook.com. Okay. Uh, T-H-E bamboozled 
book.com. That's where you can go. You can look at um, or sign up for the advanced reader's copy. Um, we're going to release the digital version first. Okay. And then the full version in uh, first in March and then the full version in August, which the physical version, if you will. Okay. Give me that website again. Yep. D-T-H-E bamboozledbook.com. Awesome. I just yep. want to make sure I have that right because I'll put that in there. Ken, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, no Appreciate so much your perspective and the information that you want to get out there. And I think it's hugely important. And we know um, from our past experience, you know, kids especially, they're not going to not do it just because you say don't drink alcohol. It's not good. You know, mm -hmm. you need to give them the facts and you need to explain to them why, you know. I had a conversation with my five-year-old granddaughter about alcohol and, you know, I said, you know, children should never drink alcohol because your brain is still, you know, developing and alcohol can affect that. So, And, and it, it, it's so much worse when you're younger. Um, yep. And that's the other thing people don't recognize because it can affect you and have much less the longer effects, which you talk yep. about in the book as well. Yep. Yep. Ken, thank you so much. Appreciate having you today. No problem, Joni. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Food for thought. He makes some very good points about alcohol. And again, we're not preaching and saying, don't drink because it's bad. But if you want to drink alcohol, then get yourself educated and make your own decision on it. How do you act if you've had too much to drink? Or how do you act just with one glass? of wine or one drink and just decide if that's the way you want to act or the way you want to be. It's your call. It's a personal decision. Just a reminder for all of you, if you are in need of treatment or if you have a loved one that is in need of treatment, please don't wait. Get them into treatment now. It's something that is life-saving because oftentimes, especially today with fentanyl so much on the market, Someone can do their regular shot of heroin or what have you, and they can die because it's laced with fentanyl. So point is get into treatment now. And thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.